Hello, this is Pastor Eric Hubbard, and thank you again for joining us for Journeys in Grace. Today we're going to study and hopefully expound and, and, and walk through the scriptures, and we talk about the victories that we have in Christ. And specifically, uh, today we're going to talk about grace, the victory over guilt. And we know that guilt is, is uh, something that all of us at one time or another will face, that when we've committed or said or done or spoke or uh, however you want to put it, we find ourselves missing the mark. We find ourselves having uh, uh, offended someone, uh, spoke out of a, out of turn, forgotten to do something. Whatever the case may be, gave our word and we couldn't have fulfilled it. And whatever the case may be, we find ourselves on the wrong side of right. <laughs> and so today we're going to talk about, again, what God has given us. And that's the most important thing, I, I believe, for any believer is that we must know who we are and what we have that we are already victorious uh, Jesus spoke in the New Testament about how that we as he prayed in the Lord's Prayer which is an uh, Old Testament prayer because it does not give uh, us that it speak of the authority that we have in the name of Jesus but when Jesus was teaching the apostles to pray when they asked him he taught them he said uh, we should pray Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven and our uh, our job is to do, as I've uh, as we repeated several times, is to occupy. And that occupy means not necessarily be stationary, but take back ground where the enemy has, has, uh, has, has encamped and built walls around and seek to keep us out of what God has rightfully given to us. And the way we do that is we proclaim the word of God, we speak with our authority and find out what grace has given us, and then with authority, Know the purpose of God, which God has given us, and speak the word of God to that mountain. Speak to that uh, issue. Speak to that disease. Speak to whatever those things may be that are confronting us, knowing that I'm already victorious. I'm not a, a, a soldier. I'm not a warrior going out to fight the battle to get the victory, but I already have the victory, and I'll stake my claim to what God has already given me. And many times, Again, we, it's though we all, and I've been gifted this myself, when times we feel as though I've got to do this. But I've learned through many years of trial and error in knowing that when the issue of trial or tribulation may arise, it's not me trying to gain, it's me possessing and keeping what the enemy is trying to take from us. And when we do this, when we put our trust in him, put our trust in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that's when the anointing can move. That's when the power of God can be activated. When we speak and we lay claim to what's rightfully ours as we, us, as we, as you, being a child, a blood-washed child, a blood-bought child, a child of the Most High, and saying, this is mine, and I refuse to give it up. So today we're going to, we're going to uh, go into the life of Paul. Paul is one of the uh, most prolific, most uh, wrote most of the bio, most of the uh, uh, books of the New Testament. I believe he wrote around thirteen chapters, and maybe I believe there's another one. Uh, some think that Paul also wrote Hebrews, but it's, uh, it, it wasn't. He didn't um, um, uh, write his name, or he didn't uh, 
uh, initial it as he done. I'll use just one of my phrases. He didn't initial it like he did other books. Well, he started out by saying Paul being an apostle of, and called uh, apostle of Jesus Christ. He didn't do that in Hebrews. So that's why some said maybe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, maybe not. So, but again, our study today is about victory over guilt. And particularly, we're going to focus in on the apostle Paul. And I'm going to read a lot today. And I ask you also to read, and we're going to be reading out of the book of Acts and uh, another few scriptures uh, today uh, associated with that. But we're going to start out in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 54. And just a little prelude to that, we're going to talk about first about uh, Apostle Stephen. And Paul is also in this scene. This scene is, is, is basically, I'm taking this scene out of uh, um, Acts 7 to just set you up. To see some of the uh, things that we learn and what we know about the Apostle Paul. He was a very learned man. And the New Testament talks of this. How he was taught by uh, Gamaliel. One of the, uh, one of the um, outstanding uh, Old Testament or, or, or lawyers that you would call him. Uh, Pharisees of his day. And so Paul, Paul was very versed in uh, the Old Testament laws. And the Old Testament um, uh, thing that, uh, that a Pharisee should keep. Uh, most of one of the basic things that a Pharisee had to have was he had to have knowledge and memorization of the first five books of the uh, of the Torah. So Paul knew the scriptures. That was no there was no doubt. And I believe this is what confounded him when Jesus came preaching a uh, uh, preaching the change that God was doing. And one of the worst places you can be is where God used to be. It's where God, where, where, where many times the church, we, we, we um, exalt something that happened five years ago, ten years ago, and we say, oh, how things used to be, how great things used to be. But God, the, the Bible says that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And when you talk about something that proceeds, it means it's moving. And the word of God, I'm not saying it changes, but I'm saying God's modes and his methods change and how he delivers his word. And just give you an example of that as I leave this and go into Acts. Um, uh, many several years ago, 50, 60, 70 years ago, the only way that, that uh, we had to have the, uh, I was saving from that 80, 90 years ago, it was only recorded, it was on the radio. And that was the only way that, and, and, and the preacher traveled on the circuit. Uh, you know, circuit uh, riding, uh, riding on horses and buggies and old uh, jalopies and uh, going from town to town. And then, uh, as the radio expanded, they moved from radio, and then television started in the 50s, and from the 50s uh, into the 60s. And, then, and, and in that time, they had tent revivals. And uh, we know that as you get into the 60s, they go from tent revivals to, to uh, arenas and stadiums that we moved into the 70s and 80s. And then, uh, as the Internet uh, has become and it grew more and more and more in the 90s. So now there's very uh, very few places. If you can get a uh, internet connection through cable, phone, or through satellite, that you can't hear a preacher of the gospel somewhere. So that's why I'm bringing this up is that the word of God is being preached. But again, the reason I brought that up was that the method that God uses to preach, to, uh, that he uses to for the gospel to be spread changes. But I'll say again, this was my point, that the worst place to be is where God used to be. And that was what the Old Testament was. The Old Testament was good. The law was good. The, uh, the scriptures said that uh, they were written, the Old Testament laws, they were written for our learning. That where we would learn thereby, we would see their example. 
and we will see the things how that how the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments they were written as an example to us to because the the, the Old Testament and the commandments they reveal sin to us. What we learned from the Ten Commandments was to do not. Do not steal, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not lie, do not bear false witness, thou shalt not have any other God before me, and on and on and on. But the point I'm trying to make is, this is what God used to reveal to man that you need a Savior. I need a Savior. We need a Savior. And we all know that that Savior is Jesus Christ. So the grace that we're going to talk about today is the grace over and the victory over guilt. So, say, again, Acts, the 7th chapter. I'm going to start reading one of the 54th verse. Talking about, first I'm going to start about Stephen. And here Stephen is preaching in the 54th verse. He's been brought before the uh, the court. And that day we're talking about the uh, the religious court. And they were uh, accusing him of blasphemy. And in particular, of preaching about Jesus Christ. And him being the son of God. And how that God has sent him as savior. And now we're going to. Read this, and then we're going to skip on down to the uh, to the eighth chapter. Again, Acts seven, chapter fifty fourth verse. Stephen is testifying, and when they had heard these things, they heard Stephen's testimony. The religious people were cut to their heart, and they bit on him with their teeth. You know, that's a deep anger and a vicious and vile spirit where someone would actually bite you. That's what gnashing means. They bit on him. With their teeth because they were so angry about the gospel message, the gospel of grace and of peace and the gospel of the Savior coming into the world. They refused to hear it and to believe it. And they were angry that Stephen would have the nerve to preach it. And they said they bit on him. They were cut to their heart. They were condemned. But rather than turning their lives over to Christ, they were angry at Stephen and they began to gnash on him with their teeth. 55th verse says, but he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. That's a message to preach there. 56, and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stuck their fingers in their ears and ran. They rushed him. They bum rushed him. We call it nowadays. They rushed him because they did not want to hear the glorious words that Stephen was speaking. The 50th verse says, and they cast him. They threw him out of the city, stoned him. And the witness laid their feet, laid their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And Saul, at this, Paul at this time, his name was called Saul. All right. And they in 59 and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he laid down and whether he knelt down and cried with a loud voice. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He didn't say he died because saints don't we don't we don't die. We fall asleep. We fall asleep. Why? Because we just transition from this life into the next. Into we're more alive de- uh, after we die than we are. De- because then once we get into the next life and we get to meet our Savior, we know everything. And we can look back and see, oh, I know. I see why that happened. Oh, I see why this happened. But this is not my subject today. But oh, what a glorious time 
when the saints transition from this life into the next. And this is why people, many people ask the question, say, how could a loving God send people to hell? We all of us, if you, you listen to this, to this uh, speak, me speak today, you can look back and see times where God was tugging on your heart. Saying, come home. Come home to me. Come home and let, let, me, let, me, let me help you. That's, that's, I have love for you. That's great for you. You somehow know that you heard the grace. You heard the gospel of grace. The gospel of that Jesus saves. I can remember hearing it as a young boy. And, and also I can remember saying, you know what? That's good for my other family members. But I've got other things to do. People to see places, places to go. Things to do. And it wasn't on my agenda. But God kept tugging. Kept pulling. And here we see again. And the main character we're going to talk about today is Paul. The Bible said that at, as they were picking up rocks to stone Stephen, they laid them at the feet of the man who urged them on. That's what was Paul, uh, one of his jobs was to find people who love God, to take them to court, and then to see that the judgment was executed. So there's no doubt Paul was uh, aiding and abetting in the murder of Stephen. So let's go now to the 8th chapter, and we're going to see more how the Bible uh, shows us that Paul is a guilty party. Acts chapter 8, and Saul, again, was consenting to his death, meaning he agreed to it. When somebody consents, that means that they are a party to, or they agree to. He, he was consenting to his death in Acts 8 and 1. And at this time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. They wept over him because he was a young man. He was a beloved man who loved God and is seemingly had a great future ahead of him as an evangelist who I believe he rose from deaconship to now he's carrying the word. And all of a sudden his life is snuffed out. But what a great reward. What a great reward did he receive? Because one thing, and we hear that Jesus was standing, Stephen was the first martyr of the New Testament church. And it says that Jesus stood at the right hand of God to welcome him home. Third verse, and as for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Again, much evidence is now mounting against Saul. Havoc means that he broke chaos. He tried to wreck, he was a wrecking ball against the house of God. Anything and everything that he could do, he did. It says entering into every house, hailing, meaning he grabbing men and women and committed them to prison. He took them and separated men and women from their children and drugged them out and took them to the, uh, took them to the local court or to the, uh, to the uh, 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 pharisaical court, court so that they could be condemned. And he could get another notch on his, on, his, uh, on his belt saying, I got another one. And that's what religion will do. Religion will hold you in the past. Because again, this world where Saul was, Saul still was living in the Old Testament. He still was living in a, in a time of, of, of guilt and condemnation and all about what he could do. Because that's what the law commanded that men do. You had to offer sacrifices. You had to do the do's and the do nots. All these things were, were things of that man performed. They had to perform to so that they would be right before the eyes of God. And they constantly failed. Why? Because every year the, 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 
the, the Hebrews had to offer a sacrifice so that their sins would be so that their sins would be uh, covered for a year, but only for one year, on the Day of Atonement, and then another three hundred sixty-four days would pass. A three hundred sixty days would pass, and there again the priest had to appear appear before God and offer a sacrifice. And if the priest came out, then the Israel knew all Israel knew. The, the, the sins of the children of Israel were forgiven if God accepted their sacrifice. But those days were over with the death of Jesus. As Jesus, when Jesus laid his life down, all the sins, he became sin. The Bible didn't say he committed sin, he became sin. And he took all the sins of men, my sins and yours, past, present, and future. I'm talking about everybody in the past. Jesus, everybody you, everybody that every sin had ever been committed, Jesus took that sin to hell and presented it to Satan. And then he whooped the devil in his own house, rose from the dead, took his blood, and ascended up to heaven and offered his blood as a sacrifice. That's what my Savior did. But what men will do is they reject the blood of Jesus. They reject his sacrifice. And to go back to that point I was making earlier, people say about how can a loving God reject, uh, uh, send people to hell? God doesn't send people to hell. We send our hell. We make that choice. We send our own selves to hell by rejecting love. So um, the, to read that third verse again, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering to every house, hailing men and women, and committing them to prison. But guess what? The, the disciples and, and the men and women of God, they were spread abroad. They, they had to leave Jerusalem. They had to leave their, their, their comfort of their homes. And the fourth verse says, Therefore they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word of God. Saul didn't know. He ignited a fire in the heart of the men and women of God, and they began to go out and to preach the gospel, and more people got saved. Amen. Now let's go to the ninth chapter in the same book. Uh, Acts, the ninth chapter, and now we're going to read about the conversion of Saul. Now remember, if we were building a case, it's the, the, the evidence is already there. We have eyewitnesses to what he had did. His fingerprints were on the clothes that were laid at his feet. He stood there as a, uh, again as a witness to the death of Stephen. He went into houses and, and proudly and gladly drug out men and women and committed them to prison so that they could either be stoned or whipped. All these things Saul did before his name was changed to, to Paul. But he did them gladly because he thought he was doing the work of God. Jesus told them in his, in his day, he told them, he, he told the Pharisees, he says, he says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Because Jesus told them, he said, look, if you go to, in Hebrews 10, he says that uh, in the volume of book, it was written of me, O Lord, to do thy will, O Lord. To take away the first, to establish the second, meaning he took away the laws and the, and, and the things of all the uh, ten commandments and the 600 and plus uh, 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 laws that were associated with it. All these things were put away. But grace was exalted. And who is grace? And what is grace? Grace is Jesus Christ. St. John 1.17 says, 
The law came by Moses. But grace came by Jesus Christ. All right. So uh, again, Acts 9 chapter, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughters against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. Saul said, look, I'm, I, I, need, I need some more, I need some more uh, uh, notches on my belt. Second verse. And desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogue, that if he found any of, of this way, in other words, if he found any Christians, he found, if I find anybody else proclaiming Christ, I'm going to get them. He was saying, uh, uh, just let me sick them. Let me sick them, uh, uh, high priest. Let me go get them. Whether they were, whether they were men or women, that he may bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Third verse, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shone round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? Now Jesus has the goods on him. Again, it's not circumstantial evidence. All the evidence points to Saul being guilty. And by law, when you're guilty and you kill the innocent, the law says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Put in our, put in our lingo, you kill my, shoot my dog, I'm going to kill your cat. An eye for an eye. Until grace came. And here's grace. Saul having killed the disciple, the, uh, uh, the man of God, Stephen, having committed Men and women to prison, separated families, wrecked churches, caused all kind of havoc and, and disruptions, caused the people to leave the house and scatter abroad for in being in in in, in having a, a threat over their lives and their livelihoods. All these things he did. But Jesus said, I've got a work for you. I've got a work for you. And after that light shined on, the fourth verse says. He fell down to the earth, and a voice said to him, Saul, Saul, why persecuted thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? Isn't that something? Now Saul didn't know God. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know him. But there was something on the inside that when he heard the voice, that voice, he knew it was God. He knew it was God. I can have that same testimony before I became a Christian. And I was out doing my thing. I can remember being uh, 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 at, a, at a game, at a, uh, at, a, at a game one day, and the Lord had been pulling on me, telling me that it's my time. It's your, my, my time now. It's your time to come. Come home. And I was resisting. And I, I remember saying the Lord's Prayer one day. I meant it, but I wasn't committed to it. Let's put it that way. I said it, but I wasn't committed. And that's what the Father looking for, us to commit ourselves to him. Receive him. I didn't know the joy. I didn't know all the benefits as described in, uh, in, in Psalms 103. Where it says, bless the Lord on my soul. Bless the Lord on my soul. And forget not all of his benefits. For he forgiveth me of all of mine iniquities. And he healeth me of all my diseases. What a great and glorious God. I didn't know that. But I heard something behind me saying, what you're doing now, you will never do again. What you're doing, he said, he told me. I heard that voice, and I turned around and looked. I knew that it was God. 
My heart knew it. Just like Paul here. Paul knew this was God calling him. He said, Lord, that's what he said. He said, Lord, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Then he told him, it's hard for thee to kick against the prick. So many of us, we go against God and we know the way to go. But we decided, you know what? My friends are not going. My family's not going. But God's calling you. This is an individual walk. He may use you to draw others. He may use someone else to draw them. But all of us will stand before God one day. In this verse of scripture, as we, I get ready to wind up here, Paul is guilty. Jesus told him he was guilty. He said, you're persecuting me. He said, you, you, are, you, are def you are harming my church. And Jesus was saying, this was his day of judgment. And if you read on down, it's through the sixth verse, it says, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Because Saul knew he was guilty. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what to do. Jesus had a plan for him. Just like he got a plan for me and a plan for you. His plan was for Saul. A man who, 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 who had blood on his hands. A man who had done all these things. He was guilty. But Jesus forgave him. He forgave him. He said, come on. Come on home, Saul. Just like he told me. Just like he's telling you. Come on home. I've got great things for you. I've got great things for you. And the one thing that Saul had to do. And if you read on out of his life. Is that he didn't. He, he heard. He, he ministered with the disciples. And just he, tell, he testified first. of this. They didn't believe him. It's all it's just a trick. Saul is trying to find out who all we are. We can't trust him. But Barnabas did. God gave Barnabas after Ananias first uh, uh, prayed over him and Paul received his sight. And then Saul wanted to, to testify and go out and speak in the, in the synagogue with the other disciples. They were afraid of him. And this man, he, he's, he's arrested. He was the one that stood by and, and uh, committed Stephen, Stephen to death. But God worked things out for him. But most of all, Saul had to get rid of the guilt. And how do you think he did that? It didn't record here about all the whole entire process. But if you go over to the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, Saul got a revelation. He got a revelation of who Jesus is. In 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter and the 17th verse. And this is one of the, the revelations that he got. He said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ. He is a, he or she is a new creature. Meaning that when you get saved and you look in the mirror, you're going to, it's going to be the same you. He's not talking about this outer man. He's talking about that inner man, that inner woman, that inner spirit inside of you. God gives you a new spirit. Not a baby spirit, a new spirit that can connect to God. And that's who God, 99.9% uh, .9 of the time, you're going to hear God in your spirit. As you begin to research the word and God gives you a knowing and a peace on the inside that you know, that you know, that you know that this is God speaking to me. He says that for if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. God said, everything you did before, I forgive you. And behold, and he look, all things are become new. Everything. 
No matter what you did, whether you a murderer, whether you a drug addict, whether you an adulterer, whether you a fornicator, whether you whatever you did in your past life, if you can hear the call of God on your life, that means you have another chance. Now let's go over now to uh, just to back this up as the last thing we'll study today is in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, the uh, eighth chapter, we're going to read two verses. Hebrews 8 and 12, and it reads. I'm going to read 11 also. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. The twelfth verse is our focus. This is God speaking, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. In other words, he's saying, though you are guilty. That's what unrighteousness is. Though you are guilty, he says, I will be merciful to their guiltiness, to their unrighteousness. He says, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Well, somebody will say, well, preacher, you know, I just, I'm good to see that, but where else can you find that? I'm glad you asked. Now, we just go down to the uh, same book, Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Let's start reading at the uh, Hebrews 10 and 16 and 17. Hebrews 10, 16, 17. And this is what he says here. It can't, you can have a run reference to this in Jer Jeremiah 31, 33. But this is Hebrews 16. It says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. He says, I will put my law. In other words, I'll put my word in their heart. And in their mind will I write them. God said, I'm, because the word, if you go to John 10th chapter, the word of God is a seed. Apostle Peter said, it's the incorruptible seed. In other words, untainted seed. That's what the word of God is. It is an untainted seed that if you will believe in it, it'll bear fruit. It'll bear righteous fruit in you if you will allow it. And then it says, and their sins, verse 17, and iniquities, iniquities, will I remember no more. And their sin and their iniquities will I remember no more. Past sins, present sins, future sins. The Lord says, I will remember no more. We all have been guilty of one thing or another, whether in the past or today or something you may do tomorrow. He said, well, preacher, I'm doing good now. Just wait. You're going to miss the mark somewhere. But when you are covered by the grace of Jesus Christ, you have an advocate with the Father. The scripture calls him our mediator. That when God looks at us, at a believer, he's got to look through the blood. And if he looks through the blood, that means he's got to see me righteous. Because that's what Jesus is. He is my righteous. Though I was guilty and covered in sin, his blood has washed me. And my father says, I'll never remember that sin. No, never no more. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this hour. We pray that your anointing, O oh God, would you place upon all the believers' lives, Lord, that they will by faith declare themselves as being the righteousness of God. That they will stand boldly and declare that they are saved, that they are delivered, and they are set free. And for anyone who may hear these words of mine, and they would heal, Lord, the beckoning call that you are making for them to come home and to receive the love that you will have already for them. We pray these things in Jesus' name.